I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor, the podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. How are you today? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Me as well. No complaints. So what's on the agenda, the hit list for today? Well, today we just have so much going on in this world, but I would like to start with some local stories today. Let's do some local stories. In a town near Fresno in Madeira, they had a riverbed fire that destroyed two homes. Not sure if you've heard about this one. I have not. But the riverbed, the houses backed up to the riverbed, but the city was not taking care of the riverbed. So it was not only full of dry grass and dead trees and things like that, but the homeless were allowed to have their encampments there and fires were routinely started. Well, one of the fires that just got started this last time lit two homes on fire and completely destroyed them. Ouch. And this is in a a sort of city type dwelling. So it could have been much worse. They did good at holding it at two, but those two have now lost everything in their homes and basically it's from city negligence they did not keep the riverbed in or not just the riverbed but the banks and stuff like that and the homeowners were actually legally not allowed to keep them either so do you know what the biggest thing is people miss when their homes burn up the biggest things they miss when they're most important to them what's that family photos oh i bet especially if they haven't backed them up on a hard drive Or if they're older people and it's old school photos. Right. Photos passed down from family member to family member. Well, there you go. Municipality. Another one. City, county, state, federal. Can't take care of what they're supposed to be taking care of. Right. And if you you live a little bit country and you don't keep your fire break, they will fine you like crazy. But here's the city not keeping their fire lines, not keeping the riverbed, letting people move into where housing isn't supposed to be. Um, I I don't begrudge the homeless for trying to find a place to live, but when you put them into places that they're not supposed to be, we end up with situations like this. Like um, I believe the, I don't know if it's just the county officials or if it's also the feds, but they're now full, pulling any fire permits for homeowners. To burn their um, burn on their property, whether it's old dead trees or just have a, a burn pile, they've pulled all of the permits. They say it's too dry, and they're not going to be able to do it. But we don't stop the homeless from going into places. Obviously, they need to eat. How are you going to do that? Campfire. How are you going to stay warm? Campfire. So we're holding responsible generally speaking responsible people to a different set of rules than we're holding others including the city because the city's not handling the situation so what you're saying is our rules and laws are structured in a tier tier form they are because who's going to follow them who's going to abide by them generally speaking people who don't want to break the law Law abiding taxpaying citizens yes your taxpayers are going to generally abide Because if you mess around with the feds, you'll get audited, so you don't want that. Yeah, absolutely. They will find a way to go after you to the ends of the earth. 
That is a fact. And if you listeners don't believe us, don't pay. Uh, pick a number. $500 on your federal taxes. See how quick that adds up to 5000 And even if they're wrong, they'll still go after you. So there are people who are fleeing California. And they send off their notices. I've moved out of California. My vehicle is no longer registered here. I registered the vehicle in a new state. It, you know, I'm paying those state DMV fees. So please take me off your registration list. DMV will still forward mail to an out-of-state address telling you to register your vehicle, pay late fees, do whatever. And if you don't pay, even if you're sending them letters that say, I don't live there anymore, it's registered elsewhere, they will take your tax return. Yes, they will. Isn't that nice of them? <laughs> yeah, they will go and and find when you file, put a lien on it, and take your tax return, even if you don't owe them money. So just a perception that they want your money, they will take it and they will find a way. Not very nice people. No, government officials. There are many individuals who are nice people, but on the whole, the government is not there to serve you. It's there to make bureaucracy <laughs> even bigger. Yes. So another local, well, it's not local, it's technically statewide. So California is still doing, speaking of homeless, still doing what it takes to make their one-size-fit-all policies stay in place. So they're still doing the same things that have caused the broken system to be even more broken. They're still allowing the homeless to run rampant instead of trying to check the reason why they're homeless. The vast majority of people, even though they say that they lost a job or can't afford a house, the real answer is drugs and alcohol. So instead of addressing underlying issues, California is just trying to experiment still with the housing first solution, it has resulted in a 47% increase in unsheltered homelessness. So for all of the help that they're doing and the way they're deciding to do it, putting people in housing first did not result in more people being housed. Isn't that crazy? It is. They should let former military senior leadership, whether it's senior enlisted or junior or senior officers, come up with a plan or a solution because military guys and gals understand when something's not working when the tactic is not working they stop they reassess and they reapply themselves until they come up with the right tactical advantage or in this case how to fix the homelessness problem well while i would like to believe that our military well i would say our lower enlisted would have more of an idea of what's necessary as opposed to our the officers and, and those who are ranking high above. And I say that because the, the Navy has actually been shutting down a lot of barracks and housing for the junior enlisted when they have no housing solutions for them. Maybe I'm all wrong then. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Maybe I just spewed a bunch of falsehoods. No, I, I really think that they this goes for having tunnel vision where they they are so focused on one thing that they forget that the Navy and the, all military branches are made up of people that have to be housed. Your junior enlisted are not forgetting it, and I bet you that they have great solutions to many of the problems. But unfortunately, the people who are making the decisions have gotten so high up 
that they're essentially political types and they forget what it's like to actually live a certain life or, or have certain needs. They just are so far removed from it. So unfortunately, when you get high enough up in our military, they are also political positions and they just seem to be right on par with the Gavin Newsom's, with the Nancy Pelosi's, with just in that level. So I would say that, yes, the lower ranking officials would have a great idea as to how we could serve a community and how we could make things happen when compared to the high ups. Okay, so let me say maybe former SEAL team enlisted going to try a different branch of a branch. Yeah, so it was uh, just to, to touch on what it was, uh, Key West barracks were shut down. And so you can imagine how many places there are to live in Key West, how much money that's probably going to cost because you have to pay a monthly stipend. But when it's junior enlisted that you're talking about, they're getting the lowest stipend and it's not going to be enough to cover housing in a place like that. That would be correct. You have more loco, I mean, local stuff. <laughs> There's lots of loco stuff. Some more loco stuff. More loco stuff. Okay, so local as in still California. So we have, so in California, the California law that mandated women be on corporate boards has been declared unconstitutional. So I don't know if you remember what? a couple years back, California decided that boards had to have a specific makeup either with an women, minorities, and they just wanted to say what every board in California should look like. So they passed a law, Senate Bill 826, and it was signed into law saying that the legislature was putting this into place to stop discrimination. However, it's come down from the courts that by putting this into place, they've started discrimination. So a a judge has ruled that it is not constitutional. That reverse discrimination is not constitutional? Basically. And this was signed, by the way, by Jerry Brown. It's from 2018. But it was, it had to go through the courts and it was decided that it was not constitutional to start fining companies $100,000 a time or $300,000 for not meeting the exact makeup that California demands, depending on the number of board members they have. So, can I reply? Of course you can reply. If you go to Chinatown in San Francisco, should we demand that all Chinese restaurants there have at least one black cook? So, what... What's funny about that is forcing a certain man, you know, makeup of things, people look at it, okay, across the United States, the population is, and then you would see how many people are black, how many people have Hispanic origin noted or, or of Mexican descent. Demographics, of, correct? Yes, all your demographics. So you could say which you're not just Asian, but you would have Chinese or Japanese, Vietnamese, insert every single group. We could find the population across the entire United States in a given year and then mandate across the entire United States that everybody looks exactly like that percentage. But that would also become exclusionary or overly inclusive if a group is 
of such a minority that they wouldn't say make one representative, if that makes sense. Because if you look at Hawaii, one of my favorite places, uh, the native Hawaiians, if you put it on the whole of the entire United States, it's 0.2% of the United States population. So if you had to do everything by a 1%, a whole percent, or even a half a percent, you would not have representation. So I think it's a bad idea to just say, okay, everybody's got to be represented exactly in this way, exactly all the time. It could be exclusionary to those that they're actually trying to represent and bring in. What they think they're trying to fix, they're making the thing worse. Right, and then if you look at it, again, looking at the entire United States, that's not what the states look like either so you're not going to have whole populations in certain areas again talking about that percentage not every native hawaiian lives in hawaii so how's their representation going to look in every single state so i guess you could look at that just like our president one two back okay mr barack which i only didn't agree with him because we're diametrically opposed polar opposites of or belief system. Yes. But he was he representing 300 million? Or uh, was, he was he representing just the yeah. black population? Right. And he would be representing the entire yes. population of the United States. But if we only voted based on race, based on your race, if all the only person you could vote for had to be your race, and then it had to be a popular vote, not we do have the, um, electoral college and so that again would be different from state to state but if we did a populist vote unless you were in the majority you would never Never be be president you never be representative yes that's why it's pretty cool that we have what we have right even though a lot of folks want to change it it was built that way for a reason and i think they had a pretty good mindset when they came over from england even though they made a lot of mistakes nobody's perfect correct well if our honestly if our constitution was perfect and the first 10 amendments to, well, we already had to amend it, but we had the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution. If it were perfect, there would not be any amendments to the Constitution. And if we didn't want change in America to look different from whatever the constitutional right was to begin with, we wouldn't have constitutional amendments. So clearly, there is need Correct. <laughs> every so often to say, yeah, I think we got it wrong. Let's Let's reevaluate. And same with the Supreme Court decisions. If you go back, there are many Supreme Court decisions that came out and they were wrong. They were absolutely wrong. And unfortunately, in some cases, it would take us years to come out and correct it. Um, We had one in the late 1800s that said separate but equal was okay and good law and let's go with it. And then we had the 1950s when we had Brown v. the Board of Education come out saying, no, separate but equal. We're not seeing equal. It's not okay. And everybody is going to now have to open up their school system completely. And it wasn't just school systems. It was across the board. But we get it wrong. And we do try to make it right later. So... There are some things, though, that you look, I don't want to call them timeless, but they've held up for so long because it turns out 
that there was way more to it than we ever thought originally. Do you like to talk about money? Let's talk money. California has a budget surplus. I don't know if you've heard. Again? Yeah, we just have $97.5 billion in surplus. How much? $97.5 billion wow. with the B. That's I'm a lot wondering of money. why we ever needed to raise taxes to fix our roads if there was just so much money around. I mean, they did a road tax, they did an extra gas tax. In fact, if you didn't know, our gas tax is about to go up again. But here we are with a surplus. How is that even possible? Well, I don't think with CalPERS being underfunded by a few hundred million, I don't think we really have a surplus. It's a faux surplus. Yep, it's a faux surplus. So another thing I was thinking about is if it's funny when they say, oh, we have this surplus, so this is how we should spend it. And then they come up with a plan. It's like, okay, we have budgets every year where we talk about how much taxes we're going to bring in, what we're going to do with the money, and then they all vote on it. How did they get it so wrong? They always get it so wrong. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was kind of a trick question. They do always get it so wrong. And the fact that they're so willing to say that people aren't paying enough taxes, but yet they have surpluses and they believe that they haven't spent enough and they want to spend even more and they want to raise taxes even more. The government will never be happy. The elitists will never be happy. And they will always want more. Greedy little boogers they are. They are. It's never enough. It's funny how that happens. It is just never enough. That's kind of a phrase I use with the government and money. When is enough enough? With them, never. What's that magic number? Do they want 75% of our income? 80, 90, 100%? I think if they could take 150%, somehow they would. Oh, wait. So far, they're at 120-something percent GDP, so they are finding ways to take more than we even bring in. Well, um, she is the one. Who is she? She is a representative from Massachusetts. She is Senator Elizabeth Warren. Yes. I do believe either when she was teaching in college or a college professor acquaintance of hers had devised a scheme, as I'll call it, to go after everybody's 401ks, take 100% of the money, and turn around and say, oh, that's government money. We're going to give you back 1% or 1.5%. I can't remember if it was monthly or Right, annually. so it's like Social Security. Basically, yes. they're going to take, yes. if you were putting in your max allowance, and so you could say it's a percentage of your income. For instance, if you were making $100,000 and you put in 15% of your income, that would be $15,000. If you make half that, then you would put in 75% of your income, or 75, sorry, $7,500, and that would be 15% of your income if you're bringing in 50. So you can adjust it up and down and figure out what your your 15% is, but then there are people who put in, they maxed it out, even though that was a huge percentage of their income, because they just tried to live so minimally, and they figured they would just max out their 401k, and now they want to say, regardless, well, someone like her, regardless of how much you put it in, whatever your percentage of income, we want to take it. For someone, you could be taking 20% or 50% of their income. 
however much they could afford to put in at that time. So that would be a net tax against them of a very large amount. And it was just, oh, well, that's your, uh, that's your silly fault for trying to save for the future like we encouraged you to do. They get it so wrong all the time. Yeah, first they're the ones encouraging you to save, and then they want to say, oh, wait, no, you can't put money away that we can't touch. We want to take it all, which is, again, funny because instead of saying your tax rate would be X, Y, Z, we're going to take it, it's we're going to take it all. That was their solution. Take it all. Take 100%. Yep. It's like I said, it is never enough. It is absolutely never enough for them. So the, I don't know if you recall the case with Dave Chappelle getting attacked on stage. Yes, by some loon. Yes. So apparently he is a little bit not all there. And he attacked Dave Chappelle. First, the district attorney said they weren't going to charge a felony. And then he said, apparently, they were going to drop all charges against him, from my understanding. And now it turns out that this guy has been arrested again. Apparently, in December, so before this Dave Chappelle incident, in December, he assaulted a roommate to the point where the roommate was stabbed. So it was an attempted murder. Even though it was a roommate type of situation, and I believe they had his identity, they didn't know it was really him, and they were investigating who he was. So when he got arrested for the Dave Chappelle assault incident, they still let him go and drop the charges before realizing that he was the guy that they were looking for in this attempted murder, and then they had to go out and try to arrest him. Arrest him, roust him back up. Yeah, so they basically let an attempted murderer go with no charges because he wasn't that bad of a dude. Happens quite often. We let guys go and gals that uh, should be held up in jail, and they let them go and they commit another crime. And in this case, they had already committed the really, really bad crime, attempted murder. And so I guess when it's just like a little old assault... They don't uh, hold you. Well, not in L.A. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. It was just a little tiny assault. Just a little tiny one? Just a little tiny yeah. assault. Knocked him down and hit him? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that's our our government for you, letting assaulters go, and then it turns out that they're attempted murderers. I would like to touch back on just our money and our government and the comment that it's never enough. So I think when we get to this point where there is a so-called surplus or when they just keep clawing more, clawing more, raising taxes, they forget that it's real money when they're spending it. So California Assembly member from Irvine, a California Assembly member from Irvine is asking for another hearing by lawmakers so they can look into the $600 million no-bid contract for mass following um, the state revealing that it was a no-bid contract two years later. So the issue was heard once before, I guess in May of 2020, but then it wasn't found out that the state controller, Betty Yee, Yee actually had an association 
with the person who got the contract. No. Yeah. So now they want to look into it again. So a $600 million no-bid contract for mass. They're like, oh, let's do a little hearing. Oh, well, it's all fine. So two years later, they're shocked and surprised that there was an association link between the person who got the contract and Betty Yee. And it turns out that when um, all of this was going down, the person who got the contract formed the business just days before. Well, it kind of reminds me of the Gulf War when they accused Dick Cheney of having friends getting big contracts and he was getting a cut. Yeah, and it, I guess there was an advance check for the mass payments, and it was supposed to be wired to the bank account of this associate. But the wire transfer was flagged as potentially fraudulent, so thanks to the bank. Um, but yeah, so it was thanks to the bank that this whole thing got looked at a little bit more. It just amazes me, though, that a $600 million contract could be made between the state controller, a an associate, on a business that just got formed, and they were just like, let's cut the checks, let's get it done. Oh, yeah, my, my buddy over here will get it done. $600 million. It's like fun money, monopoly money to them. No big deal. No oversight. They were already trying to transfer the funds. Oversight gets in the way. Yes, it does. And do you know that oversight is a reason why Rand Paul held up the Ukrainian $40 billion? Because there was no oversight worked into the, the giving of this money to Ukraine. So he said he was fine with the $40 billion and, and helping out Ukraine, but he wanted to make sure that there could be oversight and there was no oversight in the bill. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's crazy, isn't it? It's very crazy. Kind of like the former, I think he was a state senator or assemblyman that was anti-gun and was helping write all the gun laws in California, come to find out. He was... Um, gun running? Gun running. And not only was he gun running, he was a necessary vote at the time, so they... They took him to the California State Florida vote in shackles because they cared about so his, he could vote. Cast his vote. Yeah, I remember that guy. I don't remember his name. Don't want to give him too much credit. I want to say Yee, but I'm not 100% sure. Oh, is he related to the controller? <laughs> Betty Yee? Quite, quite possibly. Leland Yee. Leland Yee. So it was Yee. Okay. <laughs> oh, Leland Yee. Oh, I wonder if he is related to Betty Yee. Probably his uh, wife. Wife, daughter, probably. I mean, look at Newsom and Pelosi. Different last name, but they're all related. They all help each other out. Leland Yee. Yep, that was a number of years ago. So I know I've received a lot of training. We we would have to take it year after year when I was working for the government. And I know you've talked about receiving training for sexual harassment annually in your training did it ever talk about pronouns and if you misgender or misuse a pronoun you could be written up on sexual harassment charges no 
have not yet. So there is a group of Wisconsin middle schoolers that are being charged by the school as having committed sexual harassment for using the wrong gender pronoun of a fellow student. Explain. So the, one of the mothers received a call from the principal forewarning her, letting her know that she was going to be receiving an email with sexual harassment allegations against her son. And she waited for the information to come out from the school. And when she read the email, she found that her son was being accused of using the incorrect pronouns to address another middle school student. So the principal who investigated said he's he being the middle schooler is being allegedly charged with sexual harassment for not using proper pronouns at first she said she thought it wasn't real that it was a gag or a joke but it turns out that her son and two other boys are being charged with title four violations which prohibits gender-based harassment and According to what has been released so far, the student prefers to be addressed by they and them. But one of the 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 son in question here, so the the woman who's gone to the news media said that this is a, again a third party type of um, recalling of information. But she had been screaming at one of her son's friends for using or not using the proper pronouns calling him a profanity, and this friend is very soft-spoken and just kind of sunk down when he was being cursed at. So then this lady's son starts to defend him, saying he doesn't have to use the proper pronouns. It's his constitutional right, and you can't make him say anything. So this whole interaction turns into because three middle school boys didn't use they, them pronouns, they are being charged with sexual harassment. So I just looked up a pronoun is a type of word that replaces a noun. Reminder, a noun is a person, place, or thing. Pronouns are words like she, you, him, them, this, and who. Right, so you might say, who are you talking about? That person over there. Did they go with you to the party? Yes, they did. Yes, Carol likes apples. But you could change it to, she likes apples. Right, so there's specific and non-specific pronouns. And I, I've seen the emails come around that says, or even Facebook or Twitter, where it says my pronouns are at the, you know, on somebody's byline and it's one of those cases where we're changing the meaning of words yes you might say they or them in an occasion speaking of a subject you know a particular situation but you don't usually refer to the person as they them in what's customarily singular situations she went to the park could you say they went to the park Yes, but typically they refers to more than one person. So you would ordinarily say he or she. So we're trying to change the meaning of words. We're trying to usurp the word usage. It just makes it all more complicated than it has to be. And I've even heard of people that said their pronoun is, and then they gave their their name. So if it were me, my pronoun is Shannon. 
So if my pronoun is Shannon, by the way, Shannon is a noun. But if my pronoun is Shannon, you would always have to say Shannon. You couldn't say she, you couldn't say they, you couldn't say them. You you would always have to use my name if I don't subscribe to that pronoun. And it, I don't know, it's just gotten a little out of hand. We're out in the weeds. Yes. We need to get out of the weeds and get back to reality. Absolutely. We talked a little bit about inflation and the GDP last yeah. week. Yes, we did. The gross domestic product. And it's I very was, gross. It is. So I was just looking up some info because uh, I don't know if you know who Mr. Kudlow is or Kudlow. He's a dude on Fox News, Fox Business. No, not sounding terribly familiar. Well, he's supposed to be a business and stock expert. Well, I might have seen some of his i just uh, saw a quick headline from him talking about how the only way to whip inflation is to abandon the progressive agenda well if we're talking about continually pushing green energy and trying to spike oil and gas prices but as soon as they spike you complain that the oil and gas industry is just out to make money and it's their fault yeah i I can see how (laughs) Okay, that was a little convoluted, but they've been pushing to have more electric vehicles, and I know we've talked about that. What else are they? Well, so who is the biggest consumer of most goods? The government? Well, lower middle class people. Okay, yes, I would would agree with that. They're the ones that are hurt the most with inflation. So I have a concept. How about we let them experiment on themselves? No cheating on stocks, no insider trading. They can practice what they preach on themselves first. If it works, then they can do it nationally. So inflation is caused by an increase in the money supply, worker shortages, and rising wages, supply chain disruptions, fossil fuel policies, which ties into your green energy. And inflation pretty much only hurts lower and middle income people. So we need to look at these folks that keep voting for these folks (laughs) and maybe steer a different course. Well, they're saying all of the right things. So that's how they keep getting voted in because they keep saying what people want to hear. Bait and switch. And then when they get in office, they do absolutely the opposite. They do. And it's really interesting to see what, what was promised to us by Biden. He's going to be the great unifier. He's going to... Stop COVID dead in its tracks. He's going to just everything. He was just going to make it better. And then here we are a year and a half into his presidency. And he talks about how he, how terrible the Republican Party is. So he's just not going to work with them anymore because he's tried and tried and tried. And they just won't. They won't play ball. So he doesn't want to work with them anymore. Even though McCarthy has shown you know, hey, look at the switchboard, look at the, you can pull all the numbers going in and out. You can see that he's not contacting us. And when we try to contact him, we don't make it through. So he's not being the great unifier. He's being mean. He is angry when he doesn't have his 100% script to follow. If anyone catches him off guard, he starts name calling Or his best one is to just walk away because nobody can follow him. And then he starts saying those MAGA people, 
He goes in with a name calling. So first we had the Ultra MAGA. And then when that didn't work, he started going with MAGA King Trump. He just is name calling. And he's not fixing anything. And all they give out for that is the reason why he can't fix it is because the evil Republicans are stopping him from being able to fix things. Well, if he can't fix it and everybody else is in control, what are you doing there? Because I know in 16 months, they blamed Trump for everything. So obviously, even if it was bad, Trump controlled something. So Biden doesn't control anything because it's not his fault. So well, it's yeah. not his fault because he doesn't know. Yeah, he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on because he's handed off the keys to somebody else and they're pulling the strings. Yeah, they're definitely pulling his... Uh, yeah, he's just there in namesake. So speaking of namesake and somebody pulling the strings, well, at least the Title 42 border policy, the ending of it has been put on hold. Well, that's good to hear because right now we have a lot of border problems and the only thing that Biden has as a solution is to stop enforcing any law that he he deems just not good. And by the way, those laws that he deems not good is causing us to be overrun with hundreds of thousands of people. And I say overrun because we don't have the system in place even to process them through and see if they qualify for any benefit because there's just too many of them. And in legal immigration world, where people are filing to to either get a green card or to to get citizenship, they are not allowed to refer any cases to an immigration judge where the person has committed violations against U.S. law. They have done an all-stop. They don't refer cases anymore since Biden's been in office. He signed his little executive order saying that we're not going to hold people to any sort of account. So even if they're doing illegal things, wrong things, bad things. They're not getting referred to the immigration judge. And the people that are coming across the border, they can't process them either. So what do you think happens? Tell me what happened. Well, we end up in the situation where we get thousands and then eventually millions of people who do not have lawful status. And then everybody cries, oh, how could you let them live this second class lifestyle and and not just grant them straight citizenship regardless of who they are or where they came from? Isn't it amazing how we relive this movie over and over and over after a four-year election cycle when one party transitions to another? Yeah, well, if you look at Reagan in the 80s, he did a a forgiveness program. There were two different ones depending on the year and when you got processed. And then in the 90s, you would end up with a little more And then we had the great sunset date of April 30th, 2001 for some family-based cases under George W. Bush. And so they do this little forgiveness every so often, but George W. Bush's one that ended in 2001, that was the last amnesty, like kind of last real amnesty program that, that went on, but that didn't apply to everyone. That only applied to certain case types. So we haven't had one in 21 years. What we received from President Obama was to have deferred action for childhood arrival. So he took a little carve out that was for ICE to defer the deportation on certain people. And he made it into a whole program. And why that was, in my opinion, bad for the country was it created another class of people who still really didn't have status 
and their kids weren't getting status. Nobody else is getting status off of it. Some of them already had U.S. citizen children, so that wasn't really an issue. But it created another class of people, which created more problems in our immigration system instead of less. And Congress is the one that is meant to act, and all they do is fight. Too much infighting. Yeah, way too much. Way too much. Yeah, and then we have that 50-50 split currently as we see in the Senate. So the stuff that has to get passed by a vote of 60 or more, they complain that they can't get it to pass because each side is evil and won't conform to whatever <laughs> the other side wants them to do. Well, and it's interesting who the tiebreaker is, too. Yeah, it's interesting that it's the vice president. Yes. But even on that, with the House being a Democrat-controlled house pretty much the only things are coming out or whatever the democrats will allow out of the house so then it's to say for the republicans that don't swing in the senate that it's their fault that they won't vote in everything the democrats want but what's crazy about what's going on in the senate with the 50 50 split is that one health issue or one health crisis can change the balance to a 50 to 49 or if there's two health issues we have seen two sitting senators within the last couple of months have strokes one was 63 and the other one was 49 the 49 year old from new mexico had his stroke a couple months ago and i think he got back to work in march and then we had another sitting senator within the last couple of weeks from Maryland have a stroke, and he was 63. And then a U.S. Senate candidate, who's 53, also had a stroke. And in his case, after he had the stroke, he was doing his primary. Uh, he was running for Senate, and it was the primary election on Election Day his campaign came out and said he's still running, uh, but he has to have a pacemaker put in now. And that was on election day, and he actually won the nomination. So he is the current Democrat nominee. And so we have three individuals who have had strokes, 14 years spread in their age. 49 is awfully young. So is 63. That's really not that old for the Senate. But it's just kind of interesting that they're from different states, but technically hang around the same people, do the same things. It's pretty, um, goes pretty into Crazyville. Yes, for sure. Do you know what else is crazy? Crazy people? I don't, yeah. <laughs> me. It's me. I'm crazy. I don't know if you know this, because I, I don't know how much biology you studied. But did you know that men can have abortions? They can get pregnant and have abortions? I thought that was only in the movies. No, according to one of the committee witnesses that just went in front of the one of the House committees, she said that men can get pregnant and have abortions. She said yes to that. A person's going to be very wealthy. Yeah, I think it's quite crazy that uh, I, I need to stop saying the word crazy. Quite interesting that this is the representation of the left 
men can get pregnant. We're pushing women out of their own space now because we've invited men to take over. Men get to have men's spaces and men get to have women's spaces. We don't have space anymore. Nope, we do not. So I'm wondering if I identify, can I retroactively identify, I don't know, let's say as a horse and I could be the first horse that had a human baby? Yes. Like all you have to do is just say it, right? Like all you do is just say, yep, I'm a unicorn and I'm the first unicorn to have a baby human. Huh. What? You're not buying into that? Nope. No, I am not. Oh, come on. I'm a unicorn. So, do you know who the Indiana Attorney General is? The Indiana Attorney General. No, I do not. Well, I didn't either until I saw a headline. It says that the Indiana Attorney General is going to fight COVID-19 misinformation. How is he going to do that? Well, he's going to cite nine specific instances of what he considered misinformation that was spread by Dr. Fauci and the CDC. Well, I know what they are. What are they? Vaccines stop the spread of COVID. Yep, that was definitely misinfo. Natural immunity doesn't help. Oh, it does? That's weird. It yes. does help? So yes. the misinformation was saying that it doesn't help? Correct. School closures were effective and costless. There were no reasonable policy alternative to lockdowns. No reasonable policy alternatives. None none at all. None that they could see. Nothing in two years said, you know what, we could have done it better and this is the way we could have done it. Zero zippo nada. It is possible to eradicate COVID-19. Mass mandates are effective in reducing the spread. Everyone in America is equally at risk of hospitalization and death from COVID-19. Yeah, there's definitely a lot there to investigate. One more. There's more? One more. Mass testing of asymptomatic people and contact tracing is effective in reducing the spread and reported number of COVID-19 deaths is accurate. It's kind of interesting hearing all the ways things went wrong. So he went on to accuse the government of being unable to provide an accurate number of deaths or hospitalizations due to COVID-19, despite the fact that we spent $5 trillion on fighting this virus. We spent $5 trillion? $5 trillion. And it ran through us anyway. It went through us anyway. And we gave up two years of our lives for bad policy, bad acting, You still have people who are too scared to live their life. I've heard people say that they will never give up their mask and their kids, three-year-olds, will wear masks forever, henceforth. Look at how much damage we've done for trillions of dollars. Yes, we've done irreparable harm to a lot of people, especially according to some stats that I saw in California to underprivileged youth and kids in poorer neighborhoods. We did them the biggest disservice possible. And if you brought it up, you were just, well, one, you were just wrong. Clearly you hated people and you only wanted them to die. I remember bringing that up early on into COVID. What are people going to do? We have the luxury. At the time we were in a very nice house. We had a pool. We 
had uh, income still coming in because my husband was working remotely, is working remotely. We had the ability to stay home and the disruption was mere inconvenience. It wasn't, you know, we didn't live, kids weren't in an abusive household. They still had access to their educational institution. They still had access to the internet. They had computers. They had all kinds of things that were not afforded to everyone across the board. And if you brought that up, it was like, oh, you just want them to die. You want them to get sick and die. It's like, okay, they still lost their education. They lost a lot. Like the learning loss is big. And if you look at the socioeconomic status and learning loss, you will find that it is, it is greater with those who were the most socioeconomically disadvantaged. And we spent trillions of dollars and we still didn't help them. Correct. I was looking at California numbers because we spent a lot just in California on trying to stop COVID. It's amazing. I was trying to look at some population numbers and population in California is population census April 2020 there was 39,538,223 2022 38.9 it's like okay why did it go down did it go down strictly from deaths well nope around 95 to 98,000 folks died here in California but people have been leaving since 2016 by the thousands. As a matter of fact, one of the most recent surveys from the San Jose Mercury News was 653,000 left California in 2019. And you also have to consider that if you look at the actual number of population, that also includes babies were born here and people died. And so there's going to be, you know, sort of an ebb and a flow with people who were born and then people who died, but also the sheer number of people who just left because California policy. Absolutely. So I looked up some CDC numbers to go along with how many people die in California and of what. And COVID was a lot. 91,000 is a lot of folks. But we have 62,000-ish die annually in California of heart disease 59, 516 at cancer, 16, 355 of strokes, 16, 238 of Alzheimer's. Then you add in suicides and a lot of the other things that cause death in California. There's a lot of death. And, you know, we freaked and panicked over the COVID deaths. And we did some extraordinary things to stop it. It'd be nice if we did some extraordinary things to stop diabetes, which was a very high death rate cause, and heart disease, which is a direct reflection of diabetes. Yep, our focus definitely wasn't spot on. And in fact, what we focused on turned out to be the, I wouldn't say the unimportant things, but turned out to be not worthy of our focus. Because we could have focused on the food that was going into our bodies, what people were getting. We could have focused on exercise, but our focus on exercise was making sure that people couldn't do it. They couldn't go to the gym and they were banned from going outdoors. Um, in some cases, for instance, in California, during the summertime, it can get over 110 degrees. So 
having everybody out at the exact same time wouldn't have been good either, according to them, because then we'd be congregating in the wrong place, you know, congregating too much if that were the biggest problem. But we stopped people from exercising. We shut down playgrounds. We we put caution tape around them. We shut down parks. We told people not to do those things. We arrested them in Southern California and wouldn't allow them to go out and exercise in the middle of the ocean by themselves. Yeah, we didn't adjust on the fly. So we had one stubborn guy in Washington, D.C. that thought he had all the answers. And he made some big, big mistakes. And I think it cost us a lot in the long run. And he still says he was right. He still doubles down and says everything that he has done is correct. And he's never been wrong. And being a narcissist or whatever he happens to be, he will never admit to any wrongs. Narcissists don't make mistakes. Never. They never make mistakes. One thing that we found with schools and the people who run them or the people who are in charge is that sometimes they make mistakes too. They can make a mistake with the kid's health. They can make a mistake with the kid's education. And we've talked about just different things that can happen as far as our educational system, not educating folks or not taking care of the whole person. If they, in some cases, kids who admit that they are suicidal, the schools will not tell the parents because they see the parents as part of the problem. But what happens when the school calls you and says, you need to come pick up your kid They say the left side of their body is numb. What's your first thought if you received a phone call from the school? Stroke. Wow, you were fast. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Okay. So there was a school, and it it was in Boston. And the 17-year-old goes to the nurse to say that they had numbness on their left side and they were having issues the school calls mom mom says we have a history of strokes in our family please call him an ambulance the nurse argues with the mother that the student doesn't need an ambulance and the mom needs to come pick her son up part of the issue with that other than not getting care right away is that the mother is in a wheelchair and her getting to her son is an undertaking and an endeavor in itself to get for her to get there. So it was going to take too much time in her opinion. And so she was arguing with the school to please get her son an ambulance. So what does the school do? Probably didn't call an ambulance. Continued to not call an ambulance. And they called CPS on her for refusing to pick up her son. She wasn't, mind you though, she's not refusing to pick up her son. She's begging them to call an ambulance because he is listing the signs of a stroke and her family has a history of stroke. So it turns out that it took 30 to 45 minutes from the time that they called the mother for the school to dial 911. And the teen was in crisis this entire time. But in the background, there was a nurse saying to call DCF call the Department of Children and Family, call CPS. And then the ambulance shows up. He goes to the medical center, and sure enough, he is having a stroke. So he had to be kept at the hospital kind of an extra length of time because he had been suffering from the stroke for 
for much longer than he needed to be before he would get medical care. And they are investigating the mom because they did call the Department of Children and Families for not picking her son up when the school called. Wow. Yeah, so how do you like that? I I couldn't imagine a school calling me. And as you noted, I just gave you a very brief, very minimal, these are the symptoms, and you immediately picked up on it was a stroke. Are school nurses real nurses? As far as I know, they are RNs, but there could be an allowance in different states that they they might be LVNs or or I don't know if they allow medical assistance. But I do know that sometimes a school nurse will have five campuses to go to and they switch campuses depending on the day of the week. So an assistant could be there or the secretary, another professional could be there who is not a medical expert. But a kid complaining of stroke-like symptoms, I'd imagine that somewhere in his record is a note to the school that the family has a medical history of suffering from strokes. And if not, yeah, if not, even him giving the signs of a stroke, the mom saying he's having a stroke, call an ambulance. Wouldn't you just go with an abundance of caution? Okay, mom says call an ambulance, that's it, hang up, 911. Always err on the yeah. side of caution. It just doesn't make sense. But so that's another another issue of a student who has a medical crisis and the school just doesn't take it seriously. Which they should. But in this case, at least they called the mom. I mean, they could have kept her out of it and just let him lay at the, the nurse's station all day. And maybe there's a point to where a lot of kids fake things. Maybe it's a cynical side of her that she's seen so many kids that have come up with fake symptoms and such that she, instead of erring on the side of caution, goes to the opposite extreme sometimes. It's like, fine, I'll call your mom, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Of course, you're in for the 20th time with a headache, sure. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I wonder if it will come out that he had gone to the nurse's station for the 150th time. Not to be cynical, I am. Well, no, because we have relatives that have used that service quite a bit with legitimate headaches. And I'm sure after several, they started thinking, okay, he either has an issue or he's uh, faking. Trying to get out of class. Yes. You know who's going to have to try to get out of things? Who's that? Hillary Clinton's election team. Oh, you're talking about the information being released from the Sussman trial. Yes, and a former campaign manager who testified that Ms. Clinton personally signed off on the disinformation of material as it relates to Russia collusion and Fusion GPS and this dossier. I'm surprised this person got to testify. Are they going to get suicided? Quite possibly, even though the campaign was suspect that any of the information was true, they ran with it anyway. When has truth ever been an obstacle? Mm, True that. (laughs) (laughs) Truth has never been an obstacle. So I'm sure any dirt that anyone wants to release so they can just win, because that's what she wanted. She wanted to win. That's what Clinton wanted. So well, I don't I, think she I cares think there was some comes. cynicism there with her and her campaign with Comey and the FBI when right before the election, he had to investigate her server 
and other items, and I'm sure that might have been part of why some people swapped their vote. Yeah, well, the thing about her server, though, is that was true. It was, but it should have all been released and dealt with much, much earlier. That way, the Democrats could have picked a different candidate Yeah, and, because well, they knew she, she was tainted. Yeah, and she should have gotten in trouble, but she didn't. She did not get into any sort of trouble for what she did. She had classified material on the server, and for all of the people out there who say that it's an open record, like a records act thing that that either Trump was violating or anyone who deletes documents or shreds them is violating the right to have open government records, but then defends her destroying thousands of government records, you don't get a vote? No. No, but I just find that interesting that she got to hide thousands of government records and then destroy them, and she faced no consequences for that. And I know Comey investigated her twice, but she got off both times. She's a Clinton. Yeah, well, another one, how about he's a Biden? Because we have Hunter Biden. Finally, all of the news organizations are coming out and admitting that his laptop is real and that it turns out that they there are payments that were made from China, even though candidate Biden, candidate Joe Biden, said during one of the, um, oh, what are those Q&As, the, the debates, that Hunter never took any money from China, and it turns out he received years, years and years of payments from China, years and years of payments from Ukraine. So one of the things that I, I was thinking about as far as President Trump calling up Zelensky, because this is what led to his second impeachment trial, calling up Zelensky and saying, you need to investigate Hunter Biden or Joe Biden, or Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, for their dealings in Ukraine. And they said that is a president using his power to go after a political opponent. Okay, question. Is it a president using his political power to go after an opponent? Or is it a president saying, we have corruption here in the United States, and it turns out the corruption has also landed on your soil. You might want to look into it. The second, not the first. Because theoretically, anyone running for a position against anyone else is a political opponent. But what if you find out that they are corrupt? Does anything you say become tainted because you're their political opponent? It's amazing the depths to the sewer system our politicians have gone into. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know they can go that far down, but apparently <laughs> they have found the, ways to go yes, further. They've gone into the minutia of stuff oh my goodness so there was a statement from jake sullivan on new report exposing trump's secret line of communication to russia that goes back to the russian disinformation okay yes so mr musk who's in the process of potentially buying twitter and exposing the fact that a lot of the accounts are fake and everything he's looking into so computer scientists have uncovered a covert server linking the trump organization to russia bank is that misinformation Absolutely. And who was that posted by? That was posted by Hillary Clinton. So Hillary Clinton was a part of the the disinformation, misinformation on Trump. Correct. So help to perpetuate it. So it's just kind of interesting that her timing 
When was that message? 5.36 p.m. October 31st, 2016. Okay, so it was an October surprise. Almost a November surprise by then. So it's an October surprise, and we're finding out through the Sussman trial that the FBI was handed this information a couple of months in advance, I think. And it seems like when it wasn't coming out fast enough, they came up with their own report to come out with it. Almost like they already knew the information that they're claiming that they didn't know until it magically got investigated by the FBI. Weird. Weird magic here. Yeah, like they're the origins. Oh, wait, wasn't it DNC funds that paid for the dossier in the first place? Yes, it was. So it's not a surprise. No. (laughs) Even though they try to play shock. Shock and awe. If Hillary Clinton and the lawyers were a part of promoting and getting making up and promoting the Trump-Russia collusion scandal, which was non-existent, but then we had several years. What was Mueller investigating? How did he get any guilty pleas? Well, not guilty pleas. Like how did how was he able to go after anyone if it was all fake? And the FBI apparently determined early 2017 that it was all fake as a fake dossier fake information but yet Mueller was appointed after that and led a multi-year investigation for how many millions of dollars millions upon millions because a bunch of people were billing for time putting money in their pockets so then Clinton the campaign and the DNC should all have to come up and repay the government for all of the wasted man hours, all of the money. They should have to repay it. They, they were the inventors of this fraudulent story. 100%. Crooked little boogers. They are. So MSNBC is burying reports again. They're only given the Hunter Biden infamous laptop four minutes. Four minutes of airtime. So they're just kind of going, yeah, yeah, it's real, whatever, bye. Because they know that the numbers look really bad for the Dems coming up here in November. So they're trying to make that story go away. Well, look at one of the political analysts. I can't remember her name right now, but she basically came out and said, yeah, it turns out that the Hunter Biden thing was true. But you know what? It's old news. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, to the let's next just story. forget it. Let's just forget it. Let's forget all the millions of dollars that it shows that Hunter Biden made off the backs of the U.S. people. Because if it wasn't for his connection to his dad's office, so he's abusing his dad's office to get money, and all of it was uh, who you know, and pocketing bribe money, really. Yes, hush money. So we've heard a lot about the Supreme Court and the decision that has not come out yet, whether or not Roe v. Wade will be overturned or we'll see any sort of difference made there. I know we talked about it earlier in the segment of how the Supreme Court can go back to a decision that was wrongfully made and change it, whether or not you believe that it was the right decision or the wrong decision one of the things that the judges have to do is look and see if they have a reason, I guess you could say, why they can't make a decision on the on the case and recuse themselves. 
For instance, when Justice Sotomayor was kind of new to the bench, a case that she had worked on previously came up to the Supreme Court. So because she worked for one particular side, she recused herself, and then the decision was made without her. So if you have a bias as a judge for whatever reason, it turns out that it's your brother that's in front of you in court, and you can't make a decision because you would have a bias then you recuse yourself. So apparently a judge made a decision in favor of abortion advocates in Michigan. This judge made a decision in favor of abortion advocates in Michigan, and it turns out this judge annually donates to Planned Parenthood. Would Hmm. you say that that's a bias? Yes. So this individual judge should have recused themselves Yes. But instead, they decided to make a decision that seems to align with how they spend their money. Yes. Money. So, question. Follow the money. Follow the money. So, the San Francisco Archbishop bars Pelosi from receiving Holy Communion due to abortion support. We should do that to Biden, too. So... How does, I understand what her stance is on abortion. We watch it every day on the news. But when we do communion, the pastor doesn't ask about anybody that's in the church. He does it for all members in the church, correct? Yes. So then would our pastor not do communion for her if she walked into the church during communion? So I'm not 100% sure that he would not give her communion. I'm trying to think if within the Baptist circle, if they actually, because communing and the way the Catholic Church views it, you have to have gone to your latest confessional. You have to confess your sins. They have a little bit more requirements, I guess you can say, to take communion. So there are people who won't go up and take communion because they know that they can't based on the Catholic requirements. For instance, I've sat through a Catholic service and at the point where you go up to get communion, because I am not a Catholic, I did not go up and take communion. So with Nancy Pelosi, because she is so open about her position which is to allow pretty much any and all abortions up to, I think she's an up to 40-weeker, but I could be mistaken on that. Abortion for any reason, as long as the baby's not yet born. As long as you haven't named the baby yet. I guess not. Um, But for the Catholic priests, they can, if they know, that the person is in violation of the tenets of Catholicism, they can deny them communion. So, for instance, if I went to this Catholic church and I outwardly portrayed myself as someone who was against the Catholic belief system, and then I walked up to take communion and they recognized me, they could deny me communion. But generally, it's kind of a on-your-honor sort of thing. So unless they know... And that's what I was wondering, since she's in the public's view all the time, if it's people that go into uh, church all the time and you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. 
So you wouldn't know. So the person could commit a violation against the church or against the beliefs and then not be known and so still take communion, potentially. Another thing, too, people have talked about President People have talked about Biden taking communion as well, that he shouldn't be allowed to because he has openly discussed uh, the allowing of abortion for for any reason. And so people have talked about that. And I've also heard some on the left say that churches should be forced to give them communion because it's a violation of their rights to take communion, even though it's usually non-believers telling believers what to do. Of course, they don't know what they don't know. So speaking of Biden, his recent poll numbers are at 39%. The most loved president ever. Down 24 points from one year ago. He's just amazing. Well, what I want to know, who are those 39%? Are they bots on Twitter? They're blue no matter who people, and I have still seen them. They're probably bots on Twitter too, so they probably have bot voting or something. Considering half of his Twitter followers are fake, I would imagine that that 39% is partially fake as well. Oh, I would not be surprised. So Navy Times News, commander of helicopter Sea Combat Squadron 28, ousted due to loss of confidence. Boy, there seems to be a lot of commanders that lose their commands due to loss of confidence. Well, okay, so not the Navy, but this is the Army. They just came out with a potential policy that they're floating around that will allow soldiers to change their duty station if the laws in the surrounding area are counter to their gender identity. Really? Yeah, so if you're stationed in an area that is not as welcoming as you want them to be, you can get your duty station changed. So with that in mind, think of the crappiest duty station out there. I would just be like, yeah, gender problems, something, something. (laughs) Make it somebody else's problem. Send me to Hawaii. Yeah, sorry. That's the only place that really conforms with my gender identity. I must be one with the surfboard. So I'm I'm wondering though how many of these commanders now there are bad there are bad commanders absolutely they exist and they should be dealt with are we seeing it more because we just have more news outlets and more things are making it to to print so to speak or is it wokeism that is causing leaders to appear to fail I think there's a lot of wokeism there It's just interesting like we're going from, um, and I'm not saying we should be like the shut up and put up era. You just deal with, with bad leadership. But we're going from let's deal with bad leadership and make sure that we're elevating good leaders to if you're not woke, you're out. And it just it, we're just pegging so far over to the other side that we're just ending up with bad leaders all over again. Because if you're woke and you're in the military, I, I'm biased, I guess. I just don't see it working. I don't see picking your duty station and then being like, I don't really treat my gender well here. Well, if that's the case, then women should have had that out for years. And yes. they should have been allowed to change their duty station 
For years. Yes, quite often. Because you're going to get to the next duty station as well. And uh, I'm not happy about this. So what if the laws are conducive, but you just now don't like your commander? He's not woke enough. She's not woke enough. Endless cycle. It would be. So keeping on the subject of military, I don't know if you heard about this, but they think the researchers may have found the cause of Gulf War illness. And they're actually admitting to it, too. That's a second component. Didn't have anything to do with the vaccine, did it? Did not. Oh, no? not not according to this uh, latest from researchers, but that it would be an environmental toxin. So the unexplained symptoms such as rashes, fatigue, gastrointestinal issues, digestive issues, brain fog, muscle and joint pain. For years, the feds just pretty much broadly dismissed it. And now some of the published research has shown that it more likely than not, it was exposure to sarin. Sarin gas? Yep. It's been dismissed for years as it's all in their head. But now it appears that some research is saying, no, it's not all in their head. All in their head until most are dead. Yeah, and then when they finally admit to what it was, oh, we'll give you some medical treatment for it now that it won't cost us as much money yes they can lower the number less payout Ooh, it's a pretty toxic gas sarin yes extremely toxic so could you imagine you're exposed to sarin gas an extremely toxic agent and the government's response is it's all in your head it's all in your head the formula is c4h10 fo2p Odorless in pure form. Impure, sarin can smell like mustard or burnt rubber. What can sarin do to the human body? Our best friend Google says, Exposure to high doses of sarin can result in tremors, seizures, and hypothermia. A more severe effect of sarin is the buildup of ACH in the central nervous system, which causes paralysis and ultimately... Respiratory arrest, leading to death. Nothing to see here. Yeah, so imagine for 30 years you're fighting to get recognized, if you even survive that long. Correct. Yeah. I guess I should be thankful that mine was only 14. Correct. So moving on from our our military, although we didn't have good news in our military department today, (laughs) we will be working on getting some of our um, positive military stories out there. Be sure to look for us on Instagram. We have short reels highlighting certain stories and and, uh, look for our our Military Mondays coming out. Non-militarily, we have been hearing a lot about the disinformation board from the Department of Homeland Security going to be led by a Miss Jankowitz. Who is extremely misinformed. Who apparently was extremely misinformed, so she believed that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation and that the Trump dossier was in fact true information, among other things that she did and thought and said. And apparently she had a TikTok, she would do uh, little shows. She actually has a pretty decent singing voice. If you haven't seen some of her TikToks, I thought that they were 
interesting. Her voice wasn't bad. It was like a Mary Poppins singing sort of thing. But what was bad is the fact that she was promoting disinformation while supposedly she was the best for the job to support not having disinformation. So after these last few weeks, she has decided to resign and the White House came out and released a statement, or maybe it wasn't the White House, DHS came out and released a statement that said that the the board for disinformation is going to be paused and Ms. Jankowitz has resigned and they are going to reevaluate. And so it's kind of interesting that they would come out and say that and then blame people for attacking Ms. Jankowitz. They said that that's actually why the board was paused was because people were unkind and they attacked her wrongfully. Meanies. Yeah, they were big meanies and they attacked her wrongfully and that is why she resigned and there's a pause. But what's funny is that would mean that disinformation caused the disinformation board to pause and disband. Huh. If what was being said isn't truthful, then they allow disinformation to disband a disinformation board. The very reason it's there. You know, I know I'm 59. I hope I live to be 100. I just hope here shortly we have a correction and this madness fixes itself somehow. I doubt it, but I hope so. Oh, we can all hope. Well, they say that Good representative republics only last 250 to 300 years. Can we reinvent ourselves? We're going to have to figure out how to reinvent ourselves. Or hopefully your kids, my grandkids, and their kids can right this ship. If not, we would a whole lot of trouble. Tis true. Yes. Thank God we have Elon Musk, though. Elon Musk. Yeah. Elon Musk saving the world. That alien from wherever he's from is going to help. Well, they're trying to take him down right now. So it's come out that he may have sexually harassed an employee in 2018. There's statements that there was a settlement with said employee of $250,000 which I would think would violate a non-disclosure agreement, but if she was really sexually harassed, then I don't know if she could be held to said non-disclosure agreement. Not sure how that would work. But apparently it has come out. He's saying it's disinfor... He's saying it's not true. But apparently that is now floating around out there that he has sexually harassed a former employee. Well, he has a medical excuse if he did. It doesn't count. If you look at the the leaders of Twitter and the engineers that he's just some dude with Asperger's and we don't like him, nor do we have to care or follow him or allow him to live in society. Well, since it's I don't no remember long- the exact right. words of that well, person. Apparently it's so. no longer diagnosed because it's been merged into autism spectrum disorder, ASD. Oh, just Asperger's itself? Yes. Okay. It's great. Bank of America's warning of a possible scenario that will cause the stock market to tank. As if it's not going down enough already. God, yeah, my 401k is down 20% is terrible. Yep. Especially close to retirement like yep. your mother and I. And like 2008 and other years, our money's tanking again. Yep. S&P 500's just been hammered. 17% of its current value is down. Yep, and it's not Biden's fault. 
He's just our amazing savior. I'm still waiting for him to save us. He's supposed to save us, right? We elected him to save us. And things are getting worse, but it's not his fault. So what is he doing? Well, it's just coinkydink. Just coincidence. What are our representatives? That, yeah. All the ones that were elected around the same time and even two years before him who were going to be in office during the 2000 plus. What are they doing? And then they just say, oh, well, the other side isn't um, doing their stuff. You find ways to get stuff passed all the time. Are federal government retirements protected from stock market volatility? They still get to do 401ks, and I'm sure that they would know what not to invest in or when to put it in the G fund or something. (laughs) They have another form of retirement that is, they're fine. They won't lose anything. Won't lose a penny. It's based on the number of years that they've served it's supposed to be served to just the like people, when but they unemployment really goes through the roof one of the areas that is not affected is maryland where all the dc worker bees live yeah they're just fine they're, they're just fine they're insulated and they buy stock yeah we know we've gone over the whole thing multiple times and now it's a bear market which means that they will be able to purchase lots of stock in this bear market Yeah. Well, if you look at what happened in 08 when housing tanked and foreclosures were going crazy, do you know who stepped in to buy a lot of those foreclosures with her money? Elizabeth Warren. Warren. She made a lot of wise financial decisions off of the backs of the very people losing their houses through bankruptcy, which she was one of the, the assisters in writing our bankruptcy laws. She, all the foreclosures, all the people losing everything, she stepped right in and took over their houses. So I'm sure she's just waiting for her next, the next crash so she can do that again. That's what they do. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.